Pegasus Podcast, presented by Night Sports Now. UCF news, views, and a few hot takes. Now, here are your hosts, Bailey Go Knights Adams and Christian Charge-On Simmons. Welcome into episode 98. Be sure you're following us on Twitter at BaileyJAdams22, at ByCA Simmons, and at Night Sports Now. Well, this is weird. We're recording this on a Sunday morning. This shouldn't be like messing with my mind as much as it is, but this, so I, for those of you who like don't know, which you can probably figure out from when I post the podcast, we always record either, basically always either Monday night around six or around six or seven or Wednesday night around six or seven. Sometimes Tuesday. Sometimes Tuesday, but that's this like, is our, I think this is our second ever Sunday podcast. There was another Sunday podcast when when JRP was announced the starter. Oh, that's right. That was on a Sunday. Uh, should yeah. we tell the, should we, um, we, that sun, that Sunday, so, you said we were never going to speak of this. I again. know, I but now, to, yeah, but now JRP's look bad. So I feel more comfortable saying it. I, uh, you know, I mean, I, everyone thought it was going to be Mikey. <laughs> Multiple people had reported it was Mikey. I'd asked some folks who know things and they said it was going to be Mikey. So we went ahead and pre-recorded the podcast about Mikey winning the job. And it was the most obnoxious 30 minutes you will ever find anywhere you will never and, find it though actually and you never will because we finished it and i was like great i'll post that once it's announced two hours went by gus malzahn just tweeted it's jrp <laughs> well yeah if you'll if you'll recall if you'll recall dear listeners um that morning or that day my mother had her retirement party so i woke up that morning christian was like we should record pre-record the mikey podcast i'll just drop it when it when it comes out and i was like okay cool so we pre-recorded that. I went and left and I'm sitting there in the middle of my mom's retirement party and I get the Gus notification and it's like announcing our starter. And I see a picture of JRP and I was like, did he mess up? And then, nope, we have the the moment I've where it's like, okay, well, so it's, confused. it's not Mikey Keen. And then I had to come home from, from that after, after we cleaned up and everything and finished up at the venue and recorded an entirely new podcast about John Rice Plumley. So I think the very first thing I said to you about John Rice Plumley winning the job was I just deleted the podcast. Like I didn't even like add the I think context. I said I said something like, should we tell people that we recorded a Mikey one? You're like, we'll never speak of this podcast. Yeah, I was adamant. It's gone. Like I can't even show it to you guys. I made sure it doesn't exist anywhere. <laughs> like I delete I took it out of the program we used. I deleted off my computer. I was like, because it was you guys know if you were listening to this podcast all summer, like it was the most obnoxious thing we've ever done. Like even before we knew it wasn't like even before we knew the whole podcast was pointless. I was almost thinking when we finished, I'm like, I might want to cut a few things I said <laughs> on this podcast. And then it turns out I had to cut the entire thing. So, yeah. So all, all of that to say, this is actually our third ever yes. Sunday podcast. It's just the second one you're you're allowed to listen to. Um, the second <laughs> one that it still exists out there uh, in the universe. But we're uh, we're back. We're UCF, of course, has not played their SMU game yet. It's going to happen on Wednesday. Um, and so we've done our, our full preview of UCF SMU last week. So we encourage you to go back and listen to that one. We'll talk a little bit more about that game a little bit later on. But since we're a third of the way through the season, we kind of wanted to do something else here for this week's episode leading into the SMU game. And then, of course, we'll have a postgame podcast after the SMU game. But we'll do our, our UCF like one third of the way through the season awards. Is it just one third season awards? I, I wrote that down. I don't know. Sound... Quarter season sounds better because Bailey kept pitching this podcast. To me, he's like, let's do our quarter season awards. And I'm like, we're a third of the way through the season, but we can still do that. But the quarter yeah. sounds better. That's the thing is like, I'm just, I'm used to seeing like quarter season, not third season. I don't know. A third of the season just, awards. I don't yeah. know. I don't know what to call it. It's a good stopping point. The third is not insignificant. This, you know, you know, you kind of know yeah. what team you have through a third of the season. And, and I'm still and totally sure what team ECF has. I'm <laughs> about to jump into conference play. So it's a kind of a good, good little spot to, assess where everything is um you want to still start with our offensive mvps which should get fun 
I kind of want you to go first because this was a like I I know that like this has basically just become the slander UCF's offense podcast, but like I was very struggling to find a player <laughs> worthy of being considered offensive MVP. I really was. So why don't you go, why don't you lead us off here? I had to go to great lengths to justify this in my brain. I swear to God, um, if you pick JRP, no, I picked Javon Baker. I also picked Javon Baker. Okay, all right. Okay. I thought you were gonna pick. Right. I thought you were gonna pick JRP. Wait, there's not a chance me. I was gonna, gonna pick JRP. Well, you threw me off the scent right before the podcast because you said one of these players I'm going to talk about is someone that UCF fans may or may have not wanted benched a week ago. My defensive MVP is a player. Oh, your defensive MVP. Bench. I didn't say which MVP. Okay. We'll get to that. We'll get to so that. Javon Baker. Like he's just the clear number one wide receiver. And he's got, I mean, he has 18 catches for 257 yards and two touchdowns. Not exactly like star studded numbers, but he's just been like, if, if John Rice probably didn't have him to throw to right now, then UCS passing game would be even more non-existent. So that was exactly how I looked at this is I just went basically down every single offensive starter and said, which one would be the most damaging if UCF lost them for the season right now. And I felt like Javon Baker came out ahead there because JRP might be an improvement if, you know, they had to switch him out. Um, Ryan O'Keefe is, you know, they, they missed Ryan O'Keefe against Louisville in that show, but he hasn't exactly lit it up when he was on the field. Kobe Hudson's played in two games and doesn't have a catch. Um, if Isaiah Bowser, you lose him, you just have Johnny step up. If you lose Johnny, you just have RJ step up. Like the, and yeah. the line is, you know, is what it is. So like the only offensive player that I'm like, I think UCF would really be screwed if he was out or just transferred or whatever is Javon Baker. What's funny too, is like, he's played really well. Like he's, he's been the top receiver, but like, it's like John Rice Plumley's reliance on him has strengthened his MVP case right now, because like, yes. he's just the only receiver that he wants to throw to. But so part like, of that too is he's also the only receiver they have that can really go up and get it. Like Ryan O'Keefe's yeah. really good, but he's not like a just totally like Moss his defender type guy. Yeah, he's not like a contested that. catches kind of guy like Baker is. Baker, he I think that's the thing is like Plumley knows that he can throw a ball like into coverage, and Javon's likely going to either catch it or get a hand on it to where it's not an interception. Basically, but... Javon Baker is the only receiver where John Ross Plumley can throw a not good ball and he'll still come down with it, and that has made him a valuable receiver in this offense. <laughs> So that's kind of where we're at. So, yeah, I've honestly, I don't know what case there is to be made for anybody else. I actually don't. Yeah, I don't either. Um, Everyone else has had at least one just awful game. And he obviously had like a pretty bad game in their most recent game. But again, I feel like that was just more about, you know, circumstances beyond his control, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like you look at his numbers and it's just like, that's not an MVP, but it is because this is UCS offense who, we're talking who about. Has, show me who has the MVP numbers on offense. Should we just give it to Matt no Lee? <laughs> like, other, <laughs> he doesn't even deserve it. <laughs> I, just... I don't know. It's, yeah. I mean, the only other, no, there's no one else. I say, because like Bowser, like we talked about Bowser in the last podcast, about how like he's been disappointing. He hasn't been downright bad, but he's been a little disappointing. He at least has the touchdown numbers to make the case for MVP because he he's like without him down there by the goal line, maybe they just, score even fewer touchdowns but yeah, I don't but know his touchdown numbers are like me when I play NCAA 14 and I really want my running back to win the Heisman and it's just like yeah, every yeah, time absolutely. you get within the 10 yard line you're just like we're just going to give it to him over and over and over again in the end zone you know like <laughs> oh okay sorry I'm jumping ahead here I know who your defensive MVP is okay do you <laughs> we can do first? that next we go I, I mean what else is there to say about the I don't offense? think there's much listen maybe the offense is the offense could light it up against SMU because SMU's defense is not good so maybe we'll have our post-game podcast and be like the clear MVP has established themselves shout out to RJ Harvey on his 133 yard performance and two touchdowns hey, that would help but with help with some of our predictions from last week it certainly would anyway defensive MVP <laughs> yeah I realize who yours is but yeah. go ahead uh I went with Traymon Morris Brash 
So did I. Um, yeah. <laughs> Who I actually, defense was harder. We were just saying this before we got on. Defense was harder for the opposite reason. Like offense was hard because I'm like, none of them have stood out. And defense was hard because so many of them have stood out. But Tremont Morris Brash, I feel like has been the closest thing to just completely disrupting opposing offenses we've seen this season. I mean, he leads the team in sacks. He leads the team in TFLs. He's got two fumble recoveries, one of which ended in a way that wanted fans to want, had fans wanting him <laughs> off the field. But again, that was not his fault. That was Devon yeah. Wilson not doing his job. But yeah, I'm, I'm rolling with Tremont Trim, Trim Morris Brash for third yeah. season MVP. I also, I also did the same. Um, he has four and a half tackles for loss, two sacks, two fumble recoveries, two pass breakups, which I don't really recall, but uh, two quarterback hits. Yeah. I mean, I feel like he's just been, He's been the guy they like largely have needed him to be, which I think is good. Um, and it's funny because he was kind of getting, I mean, do you remember in preseason, he was kind of getting called out a little bit every time. He yeah, came they, I feel like it was another way of saying is he was being challenged. Okay, <laughs> were, we can go. That were, sounds uh, nicer. Yeah, they were they were challenging him to step up. And I think he has so far. I mean, I think that's um, it, right? I think it's probably something like where the coaching staff, and it was, I think Seliscar also called him out at one point, but yeah. the coaching staff sees his potential and sees what he can do when he's at his best. And it's like, do it. And he has. I mean, yeah. he's been huge. Selisgar, I think, has been another guy who's who's could have been considered here. I considered Selisgar. I considered Jeremiah Jean Baptiste. Baptiste. I thought about Ricky Barber too. Honestly, he's yeah, not I a guy about, you notice as much. But I thought about Corey Thornton. I think he's been really good in the night position. Should we just um, mention Devontae Brown since we accidentally went like three straight months last yeah. season not mentioning him? Yeah, I mean, he I mean, hasn't. Just you like, know, he hasn't done anything flashy, but like I just don't really ever expect him to because I just don't think. He had one game. What game was it that they kind of threw at? They threw at him a little bit more than was it? FAU? He's basically, I don't remember. He's basically been burnt once this season. Yeah, and that's pretty much it. So, but again, he's a guy where it's like if he's doing his job, you're just not going to hear about him. But I just feel like we should mention him more because we never do. Yeah, no, I mean it, it helps to have a lockdown corner on the outside. Um, think Jason he, Johnson's been good. Jason Johnson's been good. Walter Yates has been good. You know, yeah. you know who hasn't? Uh, our our like preseason wanna, pick of Cody Perry. <laughs> I don't want to what, talk about it. I'm trying to understand how we got that hyped up over someone who's basically just a rotation. He was a two-time All-American. At the FCS level. I, I feel I like, care. but again, that wasn't just us. A lot of people were expecting a lot. Yeah. I, I just feel like I personally deeply course corrected because I was so wrong on Bryson Armstrong last year that I just went all in on FCS. I thought, but I thought also, I thought we heard like early on that Kobe Perry was like grasping the defense that he would be starting by fall. We camp, did. Like we that. didn't invent yeah. this. I mean, he, yeah. I, I, from what I understand, he had a really strong spring camp and I don't know what really happened in fall. I, again, it's not like he's bad. It just sounds like he got no. beat out by other guys. You know, I mean, it's a really, it's a really deep unit. Yeah. It's, it's sad though. All right. Most surprising player. Um, uh, I guess it's first, my turn to go first. first. Yes. Um, somebody you just mentioned. I can go with Walter Yates. I also went with Walter Yates. We're, We're three for just, three on this. Yeah. We He's didn't even think Walter Yates. We did not even think Walter Yates was worth mentioning on the podcast when he committed to UCF. I had a conversation with someone else who covers the team <laughs> at the time, and I was like, "What is UCF doing throwing this guy a scholarship?" Like, I was literally at Savannah State, right? I think so, or I Middle Tennessee State. or something. I, I, I either way, something. either way, He's, I was literally <laughs> when he got. When he and committed to UCF, my takeaway was I cannot believe UCF just spent a scholarship on this player. And he is, he's, he's the third leading tackler. He has so 16 good. tackles, three tackles for loss, a sack. I remember like I, I went back and was reading some of our texts. I was trying to find something yesterday um, about I don't remember what it was, but it was during the Louisville game where we were talking about how like what, what our postgame podcast was going to be. And basically, like I had said something like it was going to be the Daniel Obarski slander podcast where we talked about Daniel Obarski, how bad the offense is and how much I like Walter Yates. 
Yeah, because I think he had just I think he had just picked up a sack, and I was like, "Well, three eights." Well, it man. was clear from the immediately that he was good, and it's one of those yeah. things where it makes you feel good about the coaching staff too, because that's just a pure evaluation move right there. It's not it's like Jim. It's not like he was dealing with all these offers. It's not like you know he was <laughs> other guy like other other defensive players they were looking at missed out on who were taking visits to Texas and watching and all that. He's just a guy that they just noticed and were like, "He seems good. Let's try him." If and you, this is and this isn't a thin defense, you know. I mean, he's, if you had he, told me that role that through four games. Walter Yates would be our most surprising player and Terrence Lewis would no longer be on the team. I would have slapped you. Yeah. Yeah. That nothing has that. I know that like, this is, we talk and we say this in the off season, like every season, this is why we love the sport. You there's stuff you just can't predict. Like you can yeah. think, you know, so much and it just doesn't work out the way you're expecting. But this in particular, like, I don't like the, I, I, I don't even know what to say. I'm just happy. It. I'm happy about it. Like I'm happy for him. I'm happy for Walter Yates. We too. Over, he we had his critics, him. including me. And he's overcome the critics by being very good at football, which is not something we saw coming. But, and like I said, I really want to emphasize that this isn't a, because honestly, if you had told me that, if in like June or whenever he committed here, you'd been like, Christian, I'm back from the future. Um, things are great in three of the four games they've played. And uh, Walter Yates is third in tackles, and Terrence Lewis is already off the team. My takeaway from that would be like, oh, like UCF is 0-4. Like that's the only yeah. way that like Walter Yates is playing that much. And it's like, no, he just earned his spot. He's just an, actually a really good player. Well, if you look at it, like we were so concerned about, and this is the kind of the nature of the position, but we were concerned about the linebacker group. We were like, they only yeah. have maybe two starting caliber guys. Their they're top three leading tacklers are all linebackers. Linebacker it's has Jason been absolutely fine. It's Jason, Jason Johnson, Jeremiah Jean-Baptiste, and then Walter Yates. Which it's I mean, I know like, you're... Like you're a linebacker, so you're going to get more tackles, more tackle opportunities, but still. But honestly, when you say that top three now, I'm like, that's a really good group. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's so funny how that works out. And then why no way of that knowing. pumping up as elite as hell all offseason? It's like barely functioning. Yeah. So it's been fun. Um, so before we get to most disappointing player who you probably just referenced, uh, do you want to who else could be could have been considered for surprising? I don't um, think. I don't think Javon Baker is necessarily surprising just based off of like going into the season, like just that little bit we saw of him during fall camp and like the highlights and stuff. We were like, okay, I think he's gonna be a pretty big deal. So I don't think he counts as surprising. No, I agree with that. Honestly, if we were talking like four weeks out, it was really just those last two weeks before the season that it really became like, oh, okay, he's going to be a big deal. Yes. Yeah. Uh, honestly, I don't know there. I didn't feel like there were a ton of contenders for this one. You could maybe throw RJ Harvey in there, but he's still been yeah. mostly used in a reserve role. So I feel yeah, like that I'm would still be not surprised one. that he's been good. Honestly, like, Jason Johnson, I think you can make a case for too, because we he's a guy that we talked about, but not like extensively yeah. through the off season. Yeah. Um, um, I don't know. To think. I don't know. I don't really know if there's anybody else. Yeah. Um, who was it? Somebody made a really big play at one point. No, Brandon Jennings forced a fumble at one point. No, he recovered a fumble. Yeah, but Brandon Jennings has more or less been exactly what I was expecting from him this year. I still think he's a guy who's going to be really good down the road. And he's, yeah, and he's not true. bad this year by any means, but he's not necessarily like, you know, breaking up games for the defense. Could we throw, as far as most surprising player, could we throw Quadric Bullard being a special teams monster? on Yes, there that one we can throw in there. Okay, okay. I have one, Colton Boomer. Yeah. Or the punter, yeah. whose name I still can't remember. The new Mitch one. McCarthy. Mitch McCarthy. I, I always want to call him Max McCarthy, but it's Mitch McCarthy. You're right. Okay, I'm glad I'm right because that's I just filter like... different M. Like I've called him Matt McCarthy, I've called him Mitch McCarthy, I've called him Max McCarthy. I'm having a hard time with his first name. Oh, I was thinking for some reason I was thinking I got the name wrong, and I'm I'm like that name doesn't sound right. I was thinking of Mitch McConnell. Oh yeah, no, not the same <laughs> I was like, thing. I was like, hopefully I didn't, hopefully I didn't mess that up. And it's yeah, okay. So Mitch McCarthy. That's the closest um, to politics we've ever come on this podcast. Yeah, 
Um, but yeah, both of them, I think, can count as surprises. I mean, yeah, <clears throat> but I think I think still Walter Yates is just the clear answer. Yeah, no, he is. I, we're just yeah. kind of like trying to find some other names to throw out, but no, I think he's far and away the clear choice. It hasn't been, you know, there have been more disappointments than surprises. <laughs> Most disappointing player. Let's get there. There's so many to name. Yeah, um, really I almost are. forgot. I almost forget the, the player I picked. I almost forgot because he's been that disappointing. I forgot he existed. Mine's going to um, be controversial. Is it? Yes. I I think I know who yours is going to be. Who do you think Go mine's going to be? Who do you think mine's going to be? I have a feeling you're going to pick Ryan O'Keefe. I did not pick Ryan O'Keefe. I would not okay. do that. Ryan O'Keefe is I, first off, he missed half the Louisville game, and the offense ceased to exist while he was out. So it'd be hard <laughs> to uh, tag him with that label. I went with Isaiah Bowser. Oh, okay. I, I thought about I see I thought about him and then I remembered this other person existed. Well, the thing is, I know who you picked, and I think that most disappointing player on offense and worst player on offense are not the same. <laughs> no, the same. man. I uh, go, we'll go get ahead to yours. Bowser, we'll get yeah. to yours. Because so my point on Bowser is that he hasn't been bad by any means. He's been fine. And the issue is that not just us, but the belief around Bowser going into the season was that if he stayed healthy he was going to be a cheat code for UCF. You keep him healthy. And when you get up against Cincinnati or Louisville or whatever, you hand him the ball 35 times and you will not lose. And he has been at his best this season. He has been an average to good running back. And I, the weird part is I still can't tell you what's happened there. I understand the O-line is not as strong as it was last year, but it hasn't even been that. It's been the way he's been playing. It's been partially the way he's been used. I, I just, it doesn't, I'm at the point now where it's like when he's out there running back, I'm kind of like, you know, I might, I, I maybe would rather see Johnny or RJ here. And that's what shocking are you talking to me. about? He was the leading receiver against Georgia tech. Yeah. If that's not a red flag <laughs> for this offense, I, I don't even know what to say. Hey, that's Georgia tech who just uh, beat Pitt. Beat shout out to a uh, shout out to former UCF assistant, Brent key. Who's making a strong case to just having that job. But anyway, this college football season is stupid. Nothing has even um, made like an ounce of sense this entire season. I don't Kansas know. This is five and oh and hosting game day next week. Yeah, shout out to the new Big 12. A Kansas TCU matchup stole game day from Alabama, Texas A&M. That is like the, the that's another thing that if you told someone in like June, they would have just thought you're insane. But yeah, um, yeah. So I went with Bowser just because he hasn't been the worst starting player on offense by any means. And he's actually been solid. We've talked about that a lot. But when you compare what expectations were for him to the reality, it's a pretty big disappointment. It's a pretty big discrepancy. Yeah. So as you could probably guess, I picked Kobe Hudson. What? And it, it's more so like, Throughout the offseason, we were like, this guy was the leading receiver at Auburn last year. Like, he's going to be a big part of the offense. And as you mentioned earlier, he's played in two games. And I think he's been targeted twice, and he has two drops. No catches. And he just hasn't even sort of been a factor. So So the thing about Kobe Hudson (laughs) is there were were signs – that this could that this could have worked out this way. I we didn't expect it to work out this way and did not predict it yeah. to work out this way. But when you look at he was Auburn's leading receiver, we touted that line off. He was Auburn's leading receiver with 580 yards. <laughs> that's you know? true. Um, he was then kicked off Auburn's football team, and that's how he ended up at UCF, which that's not so much a rumor as he posted that on his Instagram story and said, I've just been kicked off my team. <laughs> so it, it's not like there weren't signs that Kobe Hudson might disappoint. Yeah. I just assumed that I kind of bought into the SEC hype a little bit where I'm like, you know, the SEC and, and honestly Javon Baker kind of proved it by being Alabama's like ninth wide receiver and being amazing yeah. here, but no, he's been super disappointing. I, I just can't believe that we're a third of the way through the season. He doesn't have a catch. <laughs> he doesn't have a catch. And man. the fact that both times he was talking, he should, he should have had a touchdown catch against Georgia tech. He just dropped it. Yeah, and then the other one he dropped a pass against South Carolina State. I think it was like late in the game. It's just it, yeah, he hasn't been even a little bit a part of things. I mean, we're at the point now where I'm just like, when is he going to get a catch? Will it be against SMU? Will it be against like like how long are we gonna have to wait? For I think Kobe it will Hudson's be catch. 
Just based on what? Just like it has to happen. Nothing. Yeah, yeah, it has to. He can't go five games without a catch. Well, I guess it would be three because he didn't play in two of them. At what point know. do we just let Jalen Griffin try to set the standard on the field as well as in the weight room? You know, can you could you could you classify him as a disappointment this year? Because he was setting the standard all offseason. No, I'm not going to classify him as a disappointment because no. as we've talked about extensively, setting the standard in the weight room and on the field are not the same <laughs> thing. Well, they haven't given him much of a chance to set the standard on the field. So. How different is this season if Jalen Robinson doesn't transfer after spring ball? <laughs> My initial reaction was not very, not very different. I think I it makes know. a difference. Who's going to throw him the ball? Well, that's that's the million dollar question, but I, I don't know. I just feel like having more weapons out there is always a good thing. And I think the big thing hurting them, too, is like no disrespect to Jalen Robin or Jalen Griffin. Oh my God, I just I had such a hard time with that. And they were both here and I've <laughs> created a situation with the guilt at the end. But part of it, too, is Kobe Hudson's clearly not very good. Ryan O'Keefe and Javon Baker are good, but it's just kind of the offense and situation they're in. But like there's really no one behind them, you know, and like just I feel like I feel like just having even one more starting level wide receiver could have made a lot of difference. but. And Jalen Griffin, just, by the way, he's got three catches for 25 yards at all Miss this season. Jalen Robinson. Oh, my God. Did I say Griffin? <laughs> you did. Jalen Robinson has three catches for 25 yards. Yeah, I was just going to say, like, he, he like, left and didn't really have a reason to, I guess. Like, it was just – I mean, I understood, I think, at the time why he left because it was just, like, coaching changes that he, he had, you know, he chose to come to – Yeah, come this to wasn't the staff he the committed other, to. All that stuff. And, you know, it wasn't the quarterback he committed to play with, whatever. But now he's not doing anything at Ole Miss. So no, I don't fault him transferring at all. I don't fault anyone who makes that choice. But it it, it I just is wonder a if risk. he regrets it a little bit. <laughs> it is a risk. I mean, the the sad thing about the portal, and I think the transfer portal is great, and it gives players a lot of power that they didn't have before. But at the same time, the vast majority of transfers don't work out. I mean, just don't. I mean, I mean, it wasn't the stat that this past cycle forty percent of them didn't even end up on another roster. Yeah, Many of the ones that like do that. like Jalen Robinson was in a position where he could have been wide receiver one at UCF. And now he's just in a reserve or littleness. And, and I'm not saying like, Oh, I'm gleeful about that. Cause I'm not Jalen Robinson is really talented. And I don't totally yeah. understand what's going on there and why he's not seeing the field, but transferring is just a risk because it, when you come in as a transfer, you are, unless you are like a transcendent talent, you're not coming in. Like you're guaranteed anything. You're just a new addition to the locker room. And sometimes it's tough to make your name that way. Yeah. And I think the thing too, with Ole Miss is like, seems like they've been a very like run heavy offense and they've got some top receivers like ahead of him that just, he doesn't have the opportunity to, to get on the field much and get the ball thrown to him much. So is this his last year of eligibility? I think so. This is his fifth year of college, but you've got the COVID year and he also sat out in 2019. So So then maybe not. Let's think about this. 18 was a true freshman. Uh, 19 was redshirt freshman. 20 didn't count for anyone. So 2021 was Redford sophomore. So 2022 is Redshirt junior. No, he could come back next year if he wanted to. Yeah, he could. Oh, interesting. I'm going to be we'll so see. glad like four years from now when we're past the whole COVID thing, because trying to figure out players eligibility is just the most confusing. I've given thing. up on it. I just, I'm just like, oh yeah, he could be here next year. We'll we don't even really this. use the terms like freshman, sophomore, junior more. It's just like, oh, he's a fifth year. He's a sixth year. He's yeah. a third year, you know, which I'm kind of okay with because like using like actual class designations, like their students has always been weird to me. I'm aware that they are students, but like they're not yeah. students on the field. So I don't know. Well, I, I had that weird thing for myself when like I entered with like the, the number of credits I entered was like I was technically a freshman, but I was also a sophomore in standings. So, like it was just weird. Like I, yeah, I, you're I, a year younger than me, and you graduate the same time I did, which is yeah. why I continuously forget you're you're younger than me. <laughs> it just yeah, it's, it carries over to football with like yeah, he was here for COVID year. He had a red shirt. He had an injury uh, an injury red shirt year. He red shirt as a freshman. Like, it's just like a, he's been here for a million years. Why did just, you like, come random. in with so many credits? high school like i was in the you just didn't want to you just want to spend the least amount of time in college as possible 
No, it was more just the the program I was in in high school. I don't even really recall like why I chose to do that program, but it like loaded me up on credits. Interesting. So I just did. I just didn't. I you know you and I were opposites because like I was even like, are you just gonna like stretch it out to stay in college? You were like, no, I'm leaving. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Think a little about personal sometimes. note there. That that's just our um, personalities. I always found it interesting that Bailey wanted to leave college early because I just wanted to stay in college forever because I'm a grown up. So. Anyway, back to the podcast. <laughs> and then you, did, then you did grad school. And I was like, I'm not going, I'm not staying that in school. That was part of why I did grad school. I was like, I don't feel like being an adult. It's just, that's really not why I did grad school. But I did go to grad school at UCF. So I technically was at UCF for five years. So, yeah. Fun times. Um, God, I, I, in five years at UCF, I saw uh, three head football coaches, a winless season, an undefeated season. It was it was an eventful time at UCF. And I'm sure at any sure listeners who were there for that stretch. <laughs> but anyway. Um, all right. Now on to the biggest thing we've gotten right through the first third of the season. Okay. Did who just went first? I went first. You, uh, first. you did. All right. So mine is that JRP has the ability to shoestring the offense to a catastrophic extent. Oh man, that was not the direction. I went. Um, I mean, it was it was that was a little bit more than what we said like at the time, but we did say at the time when we were kind of like not sure if we wanted JRP to be the guys. Like we just thought the offense could be limited if he couldn't throw the ball, and I think that's been proven. Not that he can't throw the ball, but that he can't throw it consistently. He can't consistently produce with his arm. And I'm, I'm going to dispute you a little bit because I said, and this is what my comments, it's not yours, so it's a little different. But like I said more than a few times on this podcast that I thought UCF was fine with either quarterback. I just Yeah, I mean, we did, and I think we were wrong about that. And well, like I said, I'm not going to throw it all on JRP because it's not all on JRP. Like there's a lot wrong with the offense, but, yeah. you know, his skill set added to the issues they have is not conducive to success. <laughs> you know, like like a wide receiver room that is not as good as you thought paired with a quarterback who can't really throw consistently or accurately. I mean, I told <laughs> I don't want to repeat the stat right now because I don't remember what it was off the top of my head, but let me see if I can find it really quickly. I texted you what percentage of his completions have come behind the line of scrimmage this season. Oh, it's been a ridiculous number. Um, um, I'm trying to find it in our text really quickly. So this is- And yeah, that was, right that was a very like current day- thought process on on his on what he's done so far this season like we didn't say that like, the beginning like earlier in the offseason or whatever we didn't say like oh yeah he but I just I don't know we did we did say they could be fine either way but we also had very real concerns about him as a passer and I feel like we were pretty right about those we absolutely were I, I mean like I said and I know that there are a lot of people who want to defend him and that's great because again it's not all entirely on him and I still think UCF can like trip over itself to a 10 and 2 season with him just because of how bad the AAC is but it's just the consistency issues with him are just insane you know like i and it's because it's just these games it's like he has had moments where he's thrown downfield successfully it has yeah. happened but in the middle of that there have been so many moments where he just clearly doesn't read the field or makes the wrong choice or has a guy open and just throws the ball nowhere near him or overthrows it. i mean it's where we've reached the point with him where i kind of cringe every time he throws downfield it's happened so the, 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 t- the couple of things that we we were concerned about that i think have we've been proven right about is there have been times where he's been the one read guy and then he takes off running when he's missed guys open. And he's been the guy where he's, he's played like maybe not a great game, but still like well enough for UCF to be in the game. And then he makes a really, really bad mistake. Like I think there was, there was a couple of Louisville ones where, yeah, I mean he, and then the Louisville game where he made mistakes that maybe another quarterback doesn't make that mistake. Maybe they find a way to win that game. I don't know. Yeah. It's just two, two, like those two things specifically are like, what we kind of worried about with him. And I think has we've seen it play out a couple times now. Did I not text you that stat? I could have sworn I did. And I can't I find it in our remember. text. All right. Oh, well, it was bad, whatever it was. It was just a lot. Of, I think it was more than half of his completions have come at or behind the line of scrimmage, which is not what you want to see. But 
and very few like he had like very very few <laughs> downfield but yeah, yeah i just yeah great. i mean i'm not gonna argue with you too much because it's just you know we knew that we like i said like i've said past podcasts we've kind of seen the worst version of jr like the version we were worried about and listen we're on schedule here to be great against smu because he's flip-flopping back and forth but the <laughs> lack of consistency it's just it's going to catch up with them it caught up with them against louisville i understand there are other factors that led to that loss but it still deeply hurt them and it might hurt them again so that's where we're at it could um so what what do you think was the thing the biggest thing we were right yeah. about if my comments weren't totally on point that's because for the last two minutes i've been scrolling through text while also trying to talk so that was really excellent <laughs> podcasting for me um, yeah. I think the biggest thing we got right was that the defense is as advertised. I think so. You went the positive season, route. I did, which I'm glad we got ourselves it. out that way. Yeah, I think that was the biggest thing we nailed because honestly, now the players who have stepped up have been a surprise. But we pretty much all offseason were confident that this defense had the chance to be one of the best in UCF history, and it has absolutely lived up to that so far. Through a third of the season, they're allowing 13 and a half points per game. I looked up the last time they've allowed fewer than that through the first four games was 2011. So, I mean, this is like a really, really solid defense. They've done a really good job of keeping UCF in games that UCF probably shouldn't have been in. And I think they're going to keep doing that. What happened in the 2011 season? No, stop it. Stop <laughs> it. That's unreal, actually. That's actually I know, I know. I actually, I didn't want to like go there. Okay, for those who don't know, don't know the context, UCF ended up going five and seven in 2011 because they couldn't decide on a quarterback <laughs> because Jeff Godfrey <laughs> uh, and Blake Bortles were battling it out. But either way, I, you know, we nailed the defense. Everyone yeah. did. I feel like everyone and, expected this. Like you said, like we we maybe been a little surprised by Jason Johnson by Walter Yates, but like we knew they had a good front four. We knew they had a good back end of the defense. Like we were more or less like as long as they can play like average at linebacker, they'll be a really good defense. And they played better than average at linebacker, so they've been a really good defense. And everyone so. else has lived up to the hype. Yeah. So yeah, um, you know, um, and that's like my biggest like sense of optimism that sort of exists for this season is just like first off, it's really convenient that UCF decided to dramatically be worse than what they were projected to be any year where the entire conference is dramatically worse than what it was projected to be because it's just keeping hope alive <laughs> and we'll know a lot more after after this smu game because it's really close to a must-win game for ucf but if they do win that game it's like there are a lot of i mean there are a lot of teams on the schedule that ucf will have a shot against just because the defense is going to keep them in the game regardless of yeah. what version of the offense we get yeah um i think we were also right about daniel Labarski being bad um yeah, but that wasn't gotten, like that wasn't like a hot take. <laughs> like, yeah. I think most fans expected him to struggle again. The biggest thing we've gotten wrong, it's your turn to go first before we, we jump into our SMU preview part two. Yeah, we've already kind of talked about this extensively, but I think the biggest thing we got wrong was where, where we thought the wide receivers were going to be. Okay. Um, we more or less pumped them up as like potential to be elite through most of the offseason. I looked back at our position rankings podcast and I ranked them third of all the position groups of how confident I was. And I just went on and on the podcast about how, I mean, my goodness, Ryan O'Keefe, Javon Baker, Kobe Hudson, they're just going to, I mean, they are just going to, they're going to be unstoppable against some of these teams on the schedule. And they have not been, they have been very stoppable. Um, so it's been, it's been a rough stretch. I'm trying to look and see what I ranked them because I'm pretty sure I ranked them. I ranked them second. Um, so there you go. Right there I, but again, like, I don't think anyone expected them to be as bad as they are. I don't think the coaching staff expected them to be as no. bad as they are. Yeah. That, that's the crazy part. I'm still kind of baffled at Chip Lindsay saying they don't have drops in practice because that's yes. been a thing every <laughs> game now with every receiver. Yeah, it hasn't been good. Uh, I went a little broader here and I said, the biggest thing we gotten wrong is how good this team is. Um, and it, that's just kind of that's all encompassing. I think it's like yeah. the wide receivers aren't as good as they were. Isaiah Bowser hasn't been as good as we thought he was. Um, the offensive line isn't as good as we thought it was. Um, and just overall, like we, I think we got to the point where like, yeah, this is a team that's like very, very easily or very likely going to go probably, you know, 
at least nine wins, 10 wins. Now I'm like struggling to say, like, I, I think they can still, they can still do that because the conference is so bad and that's like their saving grace. But I think there is a legitimate I thought this chance. team should have been way better. Or was I think be there is a legitimate chance. And I'm not saying that this is what I expect because it's not, but I do think that UCF could legitimately end up 11 and one. <laughs> and yeah. it's not even like I think UCF is going to put it together. It's just the AAC is so freaking bad this year. I mean, we just saw Memphis put up zero points in the first half against Temple. I, I just Cincinnati is going to win the league. That's a foregone conclusion at this point. Tulane has looked really good, except for when they lost to Southern Miss. So I, I just I, I have no idea what to expect from this league. But UCF might be able just with this defense to be a contender. Yeah, and that's the thing is like I want to walk the line of like they're not as good as I thought they were. They're still three and one, which is where I expected them to be through four games. Yeah. Like I, I thought all off season that they were probably going to lose to Louisville. It's just the way they lost to Louisville, the way they looked against Georgia tech at times, especially on offense. I was just, it just the team is not as elite at a lot in a lot of different areas as I expected them to be. And as I thought they were, but they still can. Yeah. I mean, because of how bad the AAC is and because of like, they, I think they still have a lot of pieces that haven't performed up to their potential. So I think they can still be a better team than they are right now. But through four games, I don't feel like this is a very good team overall. Yeah, I I feel like the absolute best case scenario for this season is UCF stumbles to 11 and one goes to the Cotton Bowl and gets absolutely killed by whatever P5 <laughs> team they go up against. But no, I it, it, you're 100 percent right. And it's not even like I don't think UCF is bad this year. They're not a bad team. It's just that we through the off season very much. And it's not like there wasn't evidence for this, but we very much convinced, our, convinced ourselves that if everything broke right, this could be a 2017, 2018, 2013 type squad. And we averaged the point where it's clear that it's not. They might yeah. put up a similar record because of how weak the league is and how favorable the schedule is, but they're not that team that's just going to, you know, like 17 or 18, because 13 was a little different, who are going to crush everyone on their schedule and just look stellar and be one of the best teams in UCF history. They're not that. They're just not, you know. And there's not really anything that you can change that. Like putting in Mikey is not going to change that. You know, trying out a different O-line or putting in new receivers is not going to change that. They're just not that this year, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, It's been weird. But, hey, moving into the next third of the season, moving into conference play. We already previewed, as we said earlier, already previewed UCF SMU. Um, so go back and listen to last week's podcast because that was where we kind of dove into the matchup and literally everything stats. we said there still holds except the yeah. fact that there's going to be no fans at the game and the game is now on Wednesday. So just remove those yeah. comments and it's a perfect podcast. So that's basically what we're talking about here is how will the postponement of this game affect it? And I think that's the biggest key is that that sellout crowd that they had for was what they were going to have for family weekend is not going to be the same at all. It's going to be very, very I'm just it's going to be bleak. I think it's not going to be. I'd be surprised if they got to like 25,000 on a Wednesday night. I, hope I don't think they're going to get there. I don't think they're going to get there. I mean, you, the last time we saw a situation like this was, um, it was in 20, uh, 2017. Uh, UCF at one point only had 10 regular season games on the schedule because they lost a couple, they lost the Georgia tech game and the main game. If anyone remembers that that yeah. was a thing to whichever Black hurricane Bears. that was the main black bears who then kept like slandering UCF on Twitter for like a year after that. Um, I don't remember that. Yeah. They were very upset because they wanted UCF to just move the game to Maine um this is a real thing that happened by the way um so anyway so UCF ended up adding Austin P on the schedule really late it was a weekend where there was not supposed to be a game it was on a Saturday and UCF got 27,000 fans out to that game it's just the thing about and you guys know because your fans you're listening to this but I feel like some of the diehard UCF fans don't realize that for most of this fan base like going to a UCF football game is not like a thing you do on a whim like I'm bored tonight let's go to the game it's something you plan many people including half of the people on this podcast coming from out of town 
people, you know, this was a family weekend game. It was a sellout. And a lot of those tickets were people who do not live local or do not live in state and had flights and all that. So there's just, and, and it's a work night. It's a, it's a Wednesday night. So there's just not a lot of opportunity for a lot of people to make it to this game. It's not an indictment on the fan base. South Carolina had to move their FCS game against SC State to Thursday because of the storm. And they had their worst September home crowd this century. Like it, it just, yeah. it, it, changing games is not, it, it's not, is not a good way to have a good crowd. And that's just is what it is. UCF had to do it, but. Like you said, especially when it's on a Wednesday night, like I, this has been kind of a roller coaster of things for me because when it was on Saturday, like, I don't know, all the storm stuff aside, I was like, okay, I can go. Like, I was going to come up for the game on Saturday and go to the game. And then it got moved to Sunday briefly. And I was like, okay, I can't make it anymore. Um, I put my ticket out there for people to grab and no one did. So I'm glad that happened because now it's on Wednesday <laughs> and I'm making the trip back up. So sorry, my ticket's not available anymore. Honestly, I thought I thought about that. I was like, if someone wants it now and they just claim it, I'm like, okay, I'll just give it to them and then I'll buy my own. But no, I'll, I'm so now I'm going to make it. But I'm crazy. I realize that. Like, I'm crazy that I can just I'm in a position and not many people are in this position to where I can just decide, all right, Tuesday night after work, I'll drive over to Orlando, stay the night, go to the game Wednesday and then drive home on Thursday. Not Listen, a lot of people it, it, are going to do that. Not a lot of people can do that. And I understand that. So Listen, it's going to be tight for me. Like I'm going to, I'm basically like, usually I like to get up to the press box by at least like an hour and a half before kickoff and just get set up. I'm probably going to be walking in the door at kickoff. It's just, (laughs) it's, it's tough. Yeah, no, it it definitely is. And I know like there was a lot of like a lot of disappointment, a lot of pushback at UCF for like the way they've scheduled this. And I understand it to an extent, but it's something that you brought up. It's something that many people have brought up. And I wanted to like rehash here is that they made this decision for, I mean, for probably multiple reasons, but one of the reasons being they wanted to give the players and the coaches time to recover, time to prep before they turn around and play Temple next Thursday. So, yeah, I know that both teams had a common bye week this coming Saturday. And we even thought like that was, oh, it's an easy fix. But like if, if they figured probably if they don't have to, why give your players a short week? Like, I, I think I think SMU is insane. I think SMU plays next Friday. They so it's UCF would have turned around and played Thursday and then SMU would have turned around and played Friday. So like it's just both both sides are not going to you know give that bye week up and give that you know recovery period up to just appease the home fans which i don't know that it would have been i don't know like you said like it's rescheduled game like how many more people like how 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 many more people i'm assuming it would have been a lot it's a saturday but a game that wasn't previously scheduled for saturday the 8th or that what it is yeah saturday the 8th like i don't know if it would have been that much better and like the difference of that versus making sure your players can recover from a football game and play another football game next week and prepare for the game. It's just, it's, it's going to, they're always going to do what's best for player safety and all that. So I don't, I mean, I don't, I, I understand the disappointment of yeah, not being able to go having so many weeknight games this year. And people say like, I don't feel like I got my money's worth on my season tickets. Fine. I understand that, but it's extenuating circumstances. So I'm not going to sit here and, you know, begrudge UCF for this decision. Yeah, I, I'm gonna. I'm, I have a gripe with UCF on the decision, though. Um, okay. After you've said all that, so we'll go into that. Um, okay. But you're, everything you said is 100 right. And the people who are complaining it's not on a Saturday, I, as far as I can tell, are mostly people who just don't really get some of this stuff. Like, again, I under like first off, it's not even selling more tickets because the tickets are sold. It's like pushing the game on a Saturday. I get it's more convenient for the fans. You are risking player safety with a five day turnaround. You yeah. are. That, that happens very rarely in college football. There are often injuries when it does. That's not something you want to do if you don't have to. Like There was a bye week built into the schedule for that reason, so that UCF playing the Thursday night game has ample recovery time. And UCF losing that bye week sucks. It really does. It sucks for player health. It sucks for recruiting. It's not great. But my gripe with UCF, and we talked about this a little bit on the last podcast, is 
it was a fantasy to think this game was going to get played on Sunday and moving it to Sunday for a few days. All that did was screw over a lot of fans. I saw a lot of replies on Twitter of people who were like, I moved my flight to Sunday or I made plan. It's like, I just don't really get why UCF just couldn't flat out admit that game wasn't going to happen this weekend. I, I don't like, it just felt like really just kind of like fantasy style hope of like, well, maybe the hurricane just won't be that bad or maybe it'll turn away. It's like that game wasn't going to happen on Sunday. And I, I was surprised at the time that they went that route. And I was yeah. just, it was a little bit of like a, come on guys moment when they finally moved it. It's like, you kind of just wasted a lot of people's time here with why couldn't you, you knew it was going to happen. You knew it wasn't going to happen. Why did you just, I don't know. I'm trying to figure out what I'm trying to say. It basically felt like I don't know. I thought there was a 20% chance it could happen Sunday. So they threw it on Sunday and messed up a lot of plans when they could have just put it on Wednesday from the start. That's the thing. Like it was, it was more risk than it was worth, but I get it to an extent. Cause like the same thing happened, like the, the NFL and the bucks were making contingency plans because they were like, yeah, we might not be able to host this game bucks chiefs on Sunday night football in Tampa uh, on Sunday on such a short turnaround after the hurricane turns out they can, cause it wasn't as bad here. Like and it ended up being worse in Orlando than here, I believe. Um, yeah, but it's so I just, Orlando. I don't think, I mean, that's the thing is like to be cautious and to be careful, like they probably could have at least been, you know, gone, gone safer route and just moved it to Wednesday to begin with. But I think maybe that was what they were thinking. It was like, okay, well, like it's gives everybody a, I don't know. It is weird to think like, oh, well, one day difference is going to make like everything. I think they were just really trying to talk themselves into this can happen. And yeah. It, you know, I just think that they screwed over some people's plans doing that, but whatever. Yeah. It's not a catastrophic issue or anything. It just, I felt like that could have been handled better. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, that was the thing, like the, the aftermath of like everybody's complaints is like, there are a lot, a lot worse things going on right now. So, well, the people I, who I, are mad sucks. that they put it on a Wednesday instead of the next Saturday, I'm just like, can you guys just like pull up the schedule on your phone and look at it? And then you'll see why it's on Wednesday. But like, that's not yeah. a complicated thing to understand. <laughs> yeah. I get and the crowd's going to only... be that bad, but there's nothing to be done about it. It's just is what it is. And the only other thing that was like, and I, I definitely understand this side of it, is that there were a lot of uh, Jewish UCF fans that are not going to be able to go because it's a Jewish holiday on Wednesday. And so they were like, clearly, oh, is that no a thing? Was, yeah, I there's a Jewish that. holiday. It's I think it's is it Rosh Hashanah. I have. Or no, it's Yom Kippur, I think. Um, I did not know that. That does suck. So, yeah, it sucks for, for a lot of uh, UCF's Jewish fans. And like, it does. I, I think like, I like to think they probably consider that. I'm like, yeah, just, uh, you know, we, we have our hands tied here and it sucks, but I don't know. It's possible. They, I'm willing to oversight. bet they did not. Uh, it was probably, it's possible it was yeah. an oversight, which really sucks. But overall, I mean, it's just there, there's a lot going on. And these are people just trying to make decisions and on the fly and they're going to get stuff wrong. So yeah, it's going to be, uh, it's going to be interesting. The atmosphere is going to be weird. I'm, I'm thinking like, I'm trying to wonder, like I'm, the students, like, do you think the students will show up? I think the students it's will like, show up. I've been to many a uh, Wednesday and Tuesday night men's basketball game where the student sections are packed. So, right. I think, stu- so I think like- students, the general mood on Twitter, which I don't follow like a ton of current UCF students because I just am not at UCF anymore and haven't been for several years now. But the general mood seems like the student body is excited. It's an excuse to just not do anything. <laughs> it's an excuse to go to a football right. game in the middle of the week. I-, I think, and to me, this is an absolute success if the student sections are full or close to full, yeah, the rest of the stadium will be dead, whatever. The atmosphere is still set by the student section. So if they can get those close to full, then it'll still be a tough environment. It won't be yeah. like, you know, anything like a normal game, but that's the best you can do. And, you know, like I said, students, the most important part anyway. Yeah. Um, we already did our predictions last week. Do you want to rehash yours? You already want to know. Cause you said, I want to know guys. And if I was like, if I were you, I think, cause I feel like you might do this to me. Maybe not. Maybe I'm not giving you enough credit, but 
I would be a stickler about this because you did say it was going to get postponed by a week and it's being postponed by okay. four days. So did it's I say that? Because I'm looking at what you exactly, I, what I wrote in my predictions last week was game will be postponed. Was okay, I yeah, I wrote, I wrote, or I listened back to that predictions part and you said UCF, this UCF SMU game will be postponed by one week. Okay, well, it was going to be played in one week and now it's being played in a different week. So it was postponed by one week. Yeah, so that's what I'm saying. Like if, yeah, sure. I'm like, I'm not going to like fight you on it, but I'm just saying, well, you should, if I, I got wanted, that prediction right. if I wanted so. to, it got moved by four days. So it was um, moved so from wait. one week to a different week, one week. Sure. Whatever, man. You're the one over here just <laughs> spouting the most ridiculous stuff every week. Like Rhino Keefe will t- catch a one-handed pass. Well, no, I think it's funny <laughs> because you, because it was so much more specific. You would just said it would have been postponed. Then yeah, it's like thing, but you were specific about it's going to be. Yeah. I don't know why I said that. I must've, so, I must've just been trying to, I'd say on the podcast often, I just like extend sentences to try to collect my thoughts. And that was definitely <laughs> a situation that, cause my note is literally just game will be postponed. Yeah. No, I just thought it was funny. Cause you anyway, were on me about being so specific and you were like very specific. You said a one week, not like a week. I don't know why like, I did that, man. Yeah. I don't know. So, but, next week you just said by one week <laughs> anyway i want to know on predictions so okay. far this week so we're off to a good start um, um what are your other ones i don't i don't have yours pulled up we don't have to go you through them again just because you know but like i'm not going to give my all my reasoning you can listen to the last yeah, podcast yeah. for that but uh my others were that uh john rice plumley will break his boomer bus cycle and just have another bad game <laughs> and my other one was rj harvey rj harvey will see a larger and earlier role with the offense okay and i had uh ucf will have a 100 yard rusher the UCF defense will have its worst game so far of the season and Ryan O'Keefe will score a touchdown. There you go. So. Does your score prediction change at all with the game being on Wednesday now? <laughs> oh, I'll give UCF an extra field goal. Okay. SMU 31, SMU 31, UCF 24. Fewer fans there, more points made. Sure. Yeah. I'm sticking with mine. What was your I, I went uh, 31-28 UCF and I'm going to stick with okay. that. I hope you're right. I hope I'm right too. Don't know if I am, but only time will tell. All the things I just said about how, like, I'm a crazy person and I'm, like, kind of going to come up on Tuesday for the game Wednesday and then drive home Thursday, you know, disrupt my whole week for it. Like, I just feel like if it's for a loss, I'm going to be really annoyed. And I know I'm risking that and I'm just crazy. So that's yeah, that. It's fun times. That's what being a fan um, is all about, attaching sure. your mental health to a sports team. It's <laughs> great. A um, little bit of football news. Former UCF kicker Matthew Wright signed with the Chiefs this past week on their practice squad. Um, and as I saw this morning, they've ruled out their kicker for the Sunday night game. So he will be elevated to the active roster. So that'll be cool for Very him. Exciting. I don't know how he wasn't already on a team. Like he was, did well for the Jaguars when he got that chance last year. So yeah, it makes absolutely no sense. Um, and then the other thing, UCF made the top eight for 2024 four-star edge rusher Adarius Hayes from Largo. They joined Florida, Georgia, Ohio State, Oklahoma, Alabama, Texas A&M, and Notre Dame in that top eight. Um, so that's it for the football news. Not a ton. You know, it's been a, a kind of crazy busy week. Um, game of the week last week actually got moved to – it was actually moved to a road game. But we'll go back here for another road game. It's, again, it's UCF volleyball because I'm just going to keep highlighting them. Uh, they are 11 and 0, 3 and 0 in the AAC, and they play actually today, I think. Um, and they're playing on Friday at Houston, who's 12 and 2, 3 and 0 in the AAC. And we talked last week about how UCF was 61 and 3 uh, in the AAC since 2018. I think they're now 62 and 3. One of those losses came last year, and it was to Houston. And then the other game against Houston, they played them really close. I think it was a 3 2, um, a five set game. So Houston plays them tough. And it's at Houston, so we'll uh, we'll see what kind of test that is. But do you have a tweet of the week this week? Tweet of the week. I have many. Um, oh boy. So 
I, when the UCF game was moved to Sunday, I was like, oh, that's funny. UCF's oh. playing the same day as the NFL. I'm going to throw up a funny tweet. So I tweeted, UCF SMU will outperform the NFL in ratings this Sunday. Mark my words. I did not think that I needed to throw in like a hashtag sarcasm or anything like that because I assumed that any human being who would come across that tweet would realize that someone saying that a random group of five game that at that time we thought was going to be on either ESPNU or ESPN plus outperforming the NFL in ratings, which is the rating sports king of the world. And <laughs> even a random NFL game that no one cares about dwarfs, even the most popular college football games. I assume people would just, Oh, that's funny. Ha ha. Cause he's just playing on a Sunday. Oh my God. I, my, my <laughs> next five days were just countless USF and Cincinnati fans are playing. Oh my God. I can't believe how stupid UCF fans are. I can't believe this guy's a credential. Whoa. How is this guy this stupid? I can't believe he's on drugs. How do people listen to this guy? Get him off Twitter. Oh my goodness. I understand that Cincinnati fans and USF fans don't like UCF, but I, I literally have just been sitting here for days and I'm like, I can't comprehend how someone could see that tweet and think it was serious. And then I finally was like, I was like, I was just going to ignore it for a while. But then somebody happened, I started reply to people and being like, it's a joke. It's a joke. And they all replied, ha, you're just, you're just trying to backpedal now because you got called out. I'm trying to backpedal from the take that a random AAC conference game in the middle of the day is going to do better in the ratings than the NFL. <laughs> you think that's serious? And I just, and the way all these stupid Cincinnati, and then it gets even better because then Orlando is freaking underwater and they just had a horrible storm and people are still replying be like, haha, shows you like games. not even going to be against the NFL. Now, what is wrong with Cincinnati <laughs> fans as human beings? I, I, a lot. And I will say several Cincinnati fans replied things like, oh, we hope you're safe, stuff like that. Actual good people. That's good to know. I don't get it's what's just... happened. And I'm not saying I'm not guilty of it. I'm not trying to like put myself above social media, but I don't get why people are comfortable saying the most horrendous things on Twitter to other people that they would never say to a person. <laughs> I don't get what that is where it's like, well, it's on Twitter, so I can just be an absolute monster and it's fine. I don't get yeah. it. I behind really behind a profile picture that's just a, like a cute little Cincinnati logo or just yeah just like not, a stupid not their how actual many, how many face. times just like bearcat claw and it's like oh at bearcat fan one four five nine it's just like hey <laughs> uh, you know haha yeah you won't have attendance because a hurricane destroyed your city like cool thanks appreciate Crazy. it just absolutely insane but anyway cool. anyways on that really um, uplifting and calm note enjoy the rest of your Sunday <laughs> um, <laughs> We will be back on Wednesday night with a late night podcast. It's going to be great. We're going to be there for episode 99. It's going to be late on a Wednesday night. It's going to be really weird. Uh, hopefully, we'll have a win to talk about. But until then, you can find us on Twitter at BaileyJAdams22, at ByCA Simmons, and at Night Sports Now. Thank you guys so much for being with us. Stay safe out there, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye, everybody.